Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Jar. My name's Chris, and we're so glad you chose to uh, hang out with us today. And uh, I'd like to begin by telling you a little story when I was left to be the sole provider of my two toddler daughters. Uh, my wife, Jennifer, uh, was at a medical conference, and I was in charge. And the problem is, when you put me in charge of two toddlers, it usually doesn't go that well. And there were many things that took place and transpired that were not good that we will not say today. But the one thing was I did cook for them. I figured that there were two creatures. They needed food. And so I cooked. We went to Puerto Vallarta, the Mexican restaurant. And as we went to the restaurant, uh, we got seated and there were some college students from Ball State who were close to us. And they were pounding some beers. They were going off. And pretty soon their language got really, really colorful until there were some F-bombs just flying everywhere. And it was at that point that I couldn't take it anymore. And I stood up. I walked over to the table and I said, hey, um, your cursing is affecting my two small children. Would you please stop? And there was a little bit of pushback, but eventually they stopped. And it was all because I took a stand. Uh, Over the next five weeks, we're beginning a brand new series called Stand. And what we're going to be talking about is how can we stand out in our world? And that's something that I want us to all get in our heads at the very beginning. So I'd like all of you to join with me by just repeating those two words, stand out on the count of three. One, two, three. Stand out. Oh, you can do better than that. Everybody on the stream, go ahead, come and join us as well. On three, one, two, three, stand out. Yes, stand out. And you know, sometimes I have no problem whatsoever standing out and actually expressing my faith and doing the right things like I did at that restaurant. But there are other times in my life that I have a tendency to be tempted to just want to blend in, to just kind of go with the culture, to go with the conversations around me, and I don't stand out. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody? A few? Okay. And for me, it's really difficult. Should I stand out or do I choose to just cave in to the conversations around me? Well, in the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at a person who chose to walk through his life taking a stand. The guy's name is Daniel. His story is found in the Old Testament, uh, the first half of the Bible. And uh, you might have heard before of like Daniel and the lion's den or the Daniel diet became popular for a while. And so that is the guy that we're going to be looking at. And today, what I want to focus on is how Daniel, as a very young man, uh, late teens, early 20s, stood out in the midst of a period of his life where his world had actually been turned upside down. Now, when Daniel gets on the scene, uh, what we find out is uh, that there is an evil king who is pretty much in control of the entire world. His name is Nebuchadnezzar, and he is the king of Babylon. He's evil. He does horrible things to people, tortures, uh, kills little babies. I mean, he's just bad, bad dude. 
And he comes to Israel and he comes to Jerusalem and he knows that's the peak and that is the center of that culture. And so he destroys the city. And then he does something even worse. He actually burns the holy temple. And in him doing that, what he's basically saying is that your God is dead. Your temple is burned down. He took out all the religious objects and he said, your God is dead. And now you will follow me. I will be your king. And then on top of that, he actually goes ahead and he destroys their future. He says, I'm going to destroy everything in the future as well. He kidnapped the sharpest, wisest, brightest young men of that culture who were the royalty, the nobles, the people who had gone to the Ivy League schools. And he decided that he would indoctrinate them into his culture, the Babylonian culture. His training plan was that he would take them for three years, these young Israelite men leaders, And he would make them Babylonian leaders and he would brainwash them to believe everything was the Babylonian way and that it was the only way. So with that as kind of a background of this story, let's jump into Daniel chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can look at that, look on your phone or you can look on the side screen. And starting in verse three, this is what we read. Then king, then the king ordered Aspenaz. All of his friends called him Ash, okay? Uh, wouldn't that be horrible if he's in the fifth grade and that was your name the whole time, Aspenaz? Like, you would be ripped on all the time. But anyways, the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. In other words, the king had found men like this guy right here. Tom Holland. Like, my daughters are all about Tom Holland. Tom Holland, I can't believe. Woo, he's hot, Dad. Tom Holland. Like, it's all about Tom Holland. And uh, that is what uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do. Now, what he's basically saying is that I'm going to take your most likely to succeed people, and I'm going to teach them our ways. I'm going to teach them to speak like us. I'm going to teach them to think like us. I'm going to teach them to breathe like us. They're going to brainwash these guys to believe only in Babylonian culture. And then the text continues on. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. And so, folks, this is an intentional and strategic plan that this evil king has to indoctrinate and to brainwash these young men into a Babylonian culture, even down to the food that they would eat. Now, one of the struggles that I have in my own Christian walk is that sometimes I'm tempted to blend in rather than to stand out in my faith. As many of you know, I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. 
So I was raised in a Christian home with Christian values. And I knew that it was wrong to lie or to cuss. But when I went to elementary school and then I went to middle school, I realized that if I cussed and if I lied, that I could blend in. I could be like everyone else. And I wanted so badly to blend in. In high school, uh, I'll never forget, we moved to a brand new city. And uh, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone uh, in the high school at all. And so I joined the football team. Now, I know that surprises you uh, with the physique that I have, but uh, I did. I joined the football team and there was a uh, player that came up to me one day and said, what does your dad do? And I'll never forget processing very quickly in my mind that I had just been baptized recently. I knew it was to say the right things and not to lie. But the option of letting another person know who I had just met that my dad was a pastor didn't seem like they would accept me very well. And so I quickly thought to myself, before he was a pastor, he was a tool and die maker. And so if I say that, then I'm not really lying. And said, I, so I told him, I said, well, he was a tool and die maker. And I did that just because I wanted to blend in. When it came to college, it was alcohol and being in uh, very bad, unhealthy relationships where I'd made bad choices. And sometimes even as an adult and sometimes even now, sometimes I'm very tempted to choose to blend in rather than to stand out. Folks, when you and I choose to blend in, rather than to stand out, we're not really living a fully committed life for Christ. We're not being different. We're not being set apart. In fact, uh, the word holy, what it basically means is to be set apart. And if you're a follower of Christ, Christ says, be holy just as I am holy. Be holy just as I am holy. So when it comes to holiness, God is saying that there are going to be times in your life where you are going to have to stand out if you're really, truly following Jesus rather than trying to blend in. And this finally is what happens to Daniel and his three friends. In verse six, we read this. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them these new names. So they changed their diet and now they're changing their names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, on the surface, the reality is, is that many of you are probably thinking, well, why is that a big deal? I mean, like what's in the name? Well, the thing is, in Daniel's day, names were very significant. And whatever culture you were a part of in the Israelites, every name was connected to the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And so these three guys and Daniel, each one of their names, every time someone said their name, their identity, their DNA went directly connected to the God of the universe, the God of the Bible. 
And now they were going to change their names. Nebuchadnezzar was kind of saying, I'm going to change your name to the point now where I'm your king and your God is dead. He is no longer. Don't believe him anymore. And then on top of that, he changed their diet. They tell Daniel and his friends, you're supposed to eat the food that is prepared for the king. Now, I was thinking about it this week. That I bet in the White House, and regardless of the political president that we've had, every time you go to the White House, I bet there's some really good food. And so, if you got there and they had all this spread, I would not be the person that said, Nah, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to go ahead and partake. Whatever it is, serve me up. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent. If you have a lot of food and you want to feed me, I'm good with it. And the problem was that the food that was prepared for the king, the meat and the the wine, were actually dedicated to pagan gods. They were dedicated to gods of wood, gods of stone, to the sun god, other gods. And this created a real problem for Daniel and his friends because they wanted to honor and worship Yahweh in every possible way. But to eat or to drink something that was dedicated to a pagan god crossed the line. And they said, we are not going to cross this line because it would disrespect God. And so in verse 8, which is probably kind of the key verse, if you want to underline it, of everything we're going to look at this morning. Verse 8 says this, But Daniel did what? what? What's the underlined part on the screen say? What's it say? But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. What did Daniel do? Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, notice that when Daniel gets his name changed, he doesn't give any pushback at all. He's like, you can change my name. Doesn't matter to me. You can change my name because you changing my name to some other pagan god or connected to a pagan god, it does not change what's on the inside of me. Because I am connected to the one true God. That is the only one I worship. That is the only one I give my life to. So you can change my name. It doesn't matter to me whatsoever because I know who I am and whose I am. And so I don't give a rip. And he didn't defend his name. But when did Daniel take a stand? He took a stand when God's name was going to be defamed. Daniel's like, I'm not going to let you insult my God. I've resolved to myself that I will not eat food to a pagan God. And here, Daniel predetermines, he predecides before the temptation what he would do and what he wouldn't do. Let me say that again. Before the temptation came, he decided what he would do and what he wouldn't do. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. It's your first fill-in in your program, or if you want to put it on your app, and it's this. To stand out for God, predetermine your right steps. If you're going to stand out for God, you've actually got to predetermine 
the right steps. And you see, had Daniel not predetermined, if he had not predecided before they put the food in front of him, he could have done what I've done so many times in my life. When I need to do a right thing, I have a tendency to maybe compromise or to rationalize something that I know is really not right. And instead of standing out, I choose to blend in. If it were me and I was given this opportunity, I might be like this. Well, the food's already in front of me. I don't want them to throw it out. I might as well go ahead and eat it. And I know that, you know, it's kind of dedicated to this pagan God, but I'm only going to do it this one time, and then God will forgive me, right? And so, that's what I'll choose to do. And folks, the key is to predetermine in your heart to actually Decide what the right thing is to do before the temptation comes. Before the temptation comes. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to those of you who would say, I am a fully devoted follower of Christ. You're a Christian. Uh, and I think it will be beneficial to everyone. If you're here for the first time or you're not so sure about that God thing, it's okay. We're glad you're here. And uh, I think it will be beneficial to you. But if you're like, eh... I really am not a Christian. Then count the lights, uh, you know, do something else. Uh, check your phone for five minutes uh, and then come back. But for those of you who are Christ followers, I think this will be helpful. Before I met my wife, Jennifer, I was not a fully devoted follower of Christ. I didn't have very many boundaries in my life and I was in several unhealthy relationships. But when I met Jen... What took place was I started realizing that Christianity wasn't so much a religion as it was a relationship. It wasn't about rituals and rules, but it was about a relationship with this God who loved me. And because I had this relationship now, I wanted to honor Christ. And I also wanted to honor my relationship with Jen. So very upfront at the very beginning, we said we are not going to get jiggy with it. Okay, we just kind of set some lines uh, in the fact that we would not have sex before we got married. Now, it wasn't easy. It had its own challenges, but we had these predetermined boundaries and we stuck with it. And I'm so glad we did. So last week, Jennifer and I celebrated 27 years of marriage. Yeah. But don't clap for me or don't clap. Well, clap for Jen. Please clap for Jen. Um, Yes, that's good. But the whole clap really is for God because he gave us some wisdom at the very beginning of our relationship that boundaries are so important and healthy For us to be able to go the distance and to experience the most blessing from God. And we predetermined in our lives that we would honor God. Now, for some of you, you aren't married. Maybe your issue is alcohol. I mean, there was a time, man, you used to pound them down. You were a partier. 
And then you came to Christ and you're like, hey, you know what? I need to make a line. And so you predetermined in your life, you decided ahead of time, I will not get drunk because that's not good. And so you go to parties sometimes and you don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to predetermine for some of you. I'm only going to drink one drink. That's it. Or if you struggle with that, even then you just don't go to the party. Just don't go. People will not kick you out of their club. Okay? You can make up any excuse you want. Just don't go. Now, for others of you, it might be that you need to predetermine what you're going to say when you get to work. I know the workplace. Sometimes people are putting down people of the opposite sex or they're putting down the boss and they're ripping on everyone. And you can just choose to predetermine to do the right things before. So in your heart, I'm just not going to be a part of that. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be kind. But if they start doing that kind of thing, I'm going to figure out a way to walk away. Now, for some of you who are married, uh, maybe what you would predetermine is I'm not going to have any intimate kind of talk with people of the opposite sex. If uh, there's somebody and they're ripping on their husband and they're feeling needy, I'm not going to be there and kind of go, oh, honey, I know what you mean. I feel so bad. Or with the wife, you know, oh, she's always nagging on me all the time. Oh, that's so bad. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. You just predetermine ahead of time. I'm not going to trash talk anyone, but I'm not going to have any conversation with a person of the opposite sex. And you predetermine that those intimate conversations will be left with just you and your spouse. You predetermine what you're not going to do. On the other hand, you need to predetermine, however, what you are going to do. For me, I predetermine that every single week uh, that I'm in town, I'm going to come to church. And so I make it a priority to be here. One of the things that COVID has hit is that sometimes it's easier for us to stay at home or I'll watch it on the stream or I'll do something else. But those of you who are here, I'm so glad you're here. And those of you who are on the stream, we we miss you. And it's because there's something that happens when we come together that can't happen any other way. So I predetermine on the front side that I'm going to be at church. Now, if I'm not in town, I predetermine this as well, that I'm going to watch it on the stream. And so last week uh, we were driving back from uh, Myrtle Beach and uh, we were listening to Chuck. And didn't he do a great job? What a great message. And uh, and as we're we're reading that or listening to that, it just impacted my life because I need God's word uh, to be a part of my every routine experience. So I predetermine the decision. I've also predetermined in my life that I'm going to have eyes that are pure. I don't want to look at anything that can cause me to stumble. And weekly, one of our elders, I meet with him and he asked me this question. Did you look at any other woman lustfully this week? On the television screen, uh, on the Internet, someone uh, that you saw at the grocery store. And since I know this question is coming every single week, I really try hard not to do this. Now, am I perfect? Absolutely not. Sometimes I fall. But I put some boundaries around me because I want to honor God and I want to honor Jen. 
Folks, the reason I share these examples with you is because I want you to know it's so important that you predetermine things. You predecide on the front side before you ever get into the situation that you're going to stand out. Because if you're not standing out and you are constantly kind of blending in, then you're not fully following Christ. So, everybody back together, regardless, Christian, non-Christian, checking this out for the first time. Everybody, let's come back together and remember the big idea. To stand out for God, you predetermine your right steps. Now, watch the wisdom of Daniel in these next few verses as he speaks to a government leader who is above him. He says, Daniel's like, hey, here's the deal, I really don't want to eat this food that you put in front of me. And then he says this, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. In other words, we're not going to eat the meat, we're not going to drink the wine that's dedicated to these pagan gods because it makes us not honor our own God. Just give us water and vegetables. And then compare our appearances with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So the government leader agreed to do this and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. Now, I love this because these guys didn't make a big scene. I mean, they didn't, like, go off on other people. These guys did not do that. Instead of making a great big protest and saying, oh, no, no, we are believers of Yahweh. We will not do this. This is horrible. Nah, nah, never, never. Uh-uh, uh We ain't doing that. We're just not going to do that. Instead of throwing a great big fit, a great big scene, with wisdom, they presented a plan, they respected the authority above them, and they said, Hey, can we maybe try something else, something like this? You see, folks, you can stand up for the right things in the right ways, or you can stand up for the wrong things in the wrong ways. And the reality is Christians do this all the time. Uh, you ever Have you ever been online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and all of a sudden you have the Facebook Bible professor and everything that is written out on the stream, they begin throwing out scripture verses and saying, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And they get rude then and then they get kind of crude and they get nasty and it doesn't help anything at all. Or sometimes you'll find this uh, people will actually kind of have this turn or burn and they'll kind of be like, you know, if you uh, don't want to follow Christ, then you're going to hell. And people will say this to their family, or they'll say it to co-workers, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. The truth is, you can stand out, folks, in the wrong way, even as a Christian. But what I want to challenge you today, and throughout this series, is to stand out for the right ways, at the right time, for the right reasons. And I want to give you a key question. You can take a picture of it uh, if you want to here. Or for those of you on the stream, you can just kind of take a screenshot. 
But this is a question that you need to ask about when you're standing out. God, is this worth taking a stand for, or is this something that's not that big of a deal? God, is this worth taking a stand for, or is this something that's not that big a deal? Now, for a pastor, I'm supposed to stand out. To be effective as a pastor, I should stand out. But I want you to know, there was a time in my life when I wasn't a pastor. After I graduated from college, I worked at a playground factory in the crating department. So if your kid ever gets hurt on playground equipment that says American Playground, I probably had something to do with that. I was not a good job for me. I did not have the skill set. These guys were amazing, but I didn't. But it was a time of my life where I was really growing closer to God. And Jennifer had uh, taught me about the importance of journaling and, and kind of having a quiet time with God and just filling your mind with things of God. And so one of the things I would do when I would go to work, I brought my radio and I would listen to Christian music or uh, Christian uh, stations. And one day, uh, a guy walks up while I'm listening to this. He's like, turn that trash off. Put on some Q95. And uh, what I wanted to say was something like this. Don't tell me what to do, you big heathen. <laughs> but I didn't. And to me, this was not something to stand out. I like Q95. I like rock music. It's no big deal. And so I went ahead and turned the station because it wasn't a time that I needed to stand out. Well, on Fridays, uh, we got our checks. I don't know why they did this, but they did the checks uh, before lunch. And the problem was, as many people, as you can imagine, did not come back to work. But where they would go is to a strip club and a bar, and they would have wings. And so almost every single week, they'd be like, Bunch, do you want to go to the strip club bar with us this week? And I knew at that time I had to take a stand. And I'd say, sorry, guys, it's not a part of the goal of my life. And I'm dating this great girl and I'm learning about God. And we've made some boundaries. And I'm thinking about maybe even asking her to marry me. And uh, I just don't think that'd be good for me. And they'd laugh at me. They'd make fun of me. They'd put me down there like, oh, you're a wussy boy. Uh, all that kind of thing. But it didn't represent my values. It wasn't honoring to God. It wasn't honoring to Jen. And I knew I had to take a stand. Now, there were other times in which we'd go play basketball and the language would be bad and there'd be drinking and all kinds of stuff. And I would just stay with it and I'd hang out with them. And some of those guys actually grew closer to Christ because of that relationship that I had. But I had to know when I was going to take a stand and when I could let it go. Folks, all of us need to predetermine in our hearts the right things that we're going to do. We have to be able to say, I will not defile my relationship with God by doing this particular thing. I'm going to be different. God calls us to be different. And people, and if people laugh at me for being different, then that's okay. This is where I take my stand. Well, chapter one of Daniel kind of concludes in verse 19 when it says this, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. 
You see, folks, as Daniel and his friends, as they stood out, God then gave them greater influence in the king's culture. And they soon had gifts of interpreting visions and dreams. And we'll talk about those more later. And they grew closer to the king and they impacted his life. And they literally redirected the course of history. If you've ever read anything about the Babylonian Empire, seriously, Daniel, by standing up, redirected the rest of history because they stood up for what matters. Now, think about this. What if they would have compromised? What if they had just been like, hey, we're going to give in. We're not going to follow God. We're going to kind of do this. How would that have transpired? What if they would have just blended in instead of standing out? Nothing historic would have happened. I would not be talking about Daniel. His story would not be in the Bible. Maybe Israel would have been wiped off the map. Think about that. Nothing historic would have happened. Folks, I don't know about you, but with all of my heart, I want to be remembered for standing out rather than being forgotten for blending in. And that's the take-home challenge that you need and I need as we walk through our lives this week. I would rather be remembered for standing out than being forgotten for blending in. Because if you're always blending in with the culture and the conversations that are around you, then you're not a fully committed follower of Christ. You're not being any different than the culture that's around you. But when we take a stand, we're able to influence and love the culture in a better way. You know, I think the greatest symbol of standing out in the Christian faith is baptism. Baptism is that time where you finally say, you know what? I'm changing. I'm turning around. I'm giving my life to Christ and I want the world to know. And it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have it all together. It doesn't mean that you'll never sin again. But you make a commitment to say, I'm taking a stand to follow the one who is perfect and who loves me and cares for me. And so, if you've never been baptized before, at the end of this month, at the end of this series, we're going to have a baptism at Prairie Creek, and I hope many of you will be a part of it if you've never been baptized before. And you could commit yourself to that. And next week, I'm going to be teaching a class on baptism, and I'm inviting you to come and to be a part of it. It'll be right after church. Uh, it'll be in the community room. It's going to be a great time. Free food. Uh, child care is provided. But would love for you to do that. And there's a couple ways you can do that if, if you're interested. Uh, for those of you who are here uh, live uh, in your Connect card in the upper right-hand corner, there's a blue box. Just put your name on the line. Check that blue box and we'll get with you. And you can be a part of that. And for those of you that are on the stream or if you're on your app, uh, you can just do it on the app and, and make that commitment as well. But for some of you, maybe now's the time. Maybe this is the season of your life to take a stand and choose to be baptized. Let's pray.
Well, God, thank you so much for always standing up for us, even when, God, we don't deserve it. Thank you for never walking away, but always having our back. Now, maybe uh, this message has convicted some of you to be like, I want to stand out for Christ. And maybe in your workplace or maybe in some relationship or someplace in your world, you're like, man, I, I want to do that, but I just, I need your courage, God. And so if you're like, God, I want your courage. I need your wisdom, though, when to do it and when not to do it. But if you're like, I really do want to do that, would you just raise your hand? No one else has to know, but I want to learn how to stand out better the way that God wants me to. Would you just raise your hand? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your presence. I pray for each hand that is raised. God, give them wisdom to know when to stand out and when to let things go, to ignore them. And right now, God, would you show any area to these folks that they need to predetermine, to determine to make right steps so that they stand out before the temptation comes. Show it to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.